0: You are listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. Today's reading is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, verses 18 through 21. Then Jesus said, how can I picture God's kingdom for you? What kind of story can I use? It's like a mustard seed that someone took and planted in a garden. It grew and developed into a tree and the birds in the sky nested in its branches. He tried again, how can I picture God's kingdom? It's like yeast that a woman works into enough dough for three loaves of bread and waits while the dough rises. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. How many of you have heard of Blob Tag? sometimes called amoeba tag or octopus tag or spider tag. No hands, all right. One hand in the back. Uh, So the concept of blob tag is you start with one person and then it's kind of like tag, you want to get as many people as you can, but once you've tagged somebody with blob tag, you link arms and they become part of the blob and they're it too, so knowing that you know, most of you have not seen this in action before, Uh, Reverend Michelle and Jeremy said they'd be willing to help me demonstrate this blob tag. So we're playing tag, I'm it, and uh, I tag Michelle, and now we're linking arms, and she's it with me. And now Jeremy, who's not gonna run too far, he's it now too, and now we're a blob and we're all it here. Let's get Tom, can you get Tom? Okay, Tom's part of the blob, and maybe Neil's part of the blob, and Tamara's, okay. We'll stop here. Those of you in the back, you're safe. <laughs> but you can see how it works, right? It starts with one person, and suddenly you're this massive blob, and uh, it just grows from there. It's fun, it's funny, and it's like tag, but it's not like tag. Because instead of just one person being it and being tasked with the whole work, suddenly if you're it, you're part of it too. So you're not saying tag, you're it now. And your own, you're saying, tag, you're part of it. Tag, you're with me. Tag, you're part of the blob. And I think this is what God's kingdom is like too. Something that starts small but grows dramatically, takes on a life of its own, becomes something that it would not have been with just that initial small beginning. Now Jesus taught about a lot of different topics But one of the recurring themes, one of the threads that goes throughout the Gospels is Jesus talking about God's kingdom and what it will be like and what it looks like now. The kingdom of God, Jesus says in Luke's Gospel, is like a mustard seed. We all know a mustard seed, it's about this big. And uh, when it grows fully, Jesus says it's like a tree that's so vast a bird can safely nest in its branches. If you'd never seen a seed before, you would not know from looking at it, this tiny little thing, that it could become something so much more, that it could become something so much uh, more amazing than one tiny seed seems to be on its own. The kingdom of God, Jesus says, is like yeast when you add it to bread. If you don't have yeast in your bread, it's going to be like pita bread or matzah. It's unleavened, it's flat, it's not going anywhere. But you add the yeast to it, and suddenly it starts to rise. The yeast transforms the bread so that it is something different entirely from what it started as. God's kingdom is like that it grows, it changes, it transforms, it's unexpected. So we know it's transformative and we know it's surprising, but we also, at least me, I sometimes find myself wondering, okay, well, what can I sink my teeth into here? What really is this kingdom? Well, for me, it helps by unpacking that word kingdom first. There's a Greek word that's used here that means royal power or dominion or authority to rule. And it's a word that refers not to like a physical place or a physical kingdom, but instead implies influence and clout, somebody who has authority. And uh, I'd like you for just a moment to set aside any images that this word king or kingdom might conjure of kind of a cruel ruler or impoverished serfs. Sometimes kingdom language can come with that baggage. But that's not the kind of kingdom Jesus was talking about. He was talking about something that's entirely different than what we have here on Earth. So I'd like you to instead for a moment imagine a reality, a way of life, that's different from the way the world currently works. A way of life where the people who are last are first. A way of life where the outcasts are the first ones invited to the party. A way of life where the ones who get sidetracked and lost and on a detour a little bit are welcomed back with open arms. That's the kind of reality, that's the kind of vision that God has for us, that God has for God's kingdom. And it's not not like a top-down, hierarchical, obligatory kind of kingdom where you do something because you have to do it. It's an invitational community, an invitational kingdom full of joy where you do things because you love doing them. You do things because they're compelling. You do things because you're excited about it and you want to be part of it. It's like yeast in the bread. Once the kingdom of God is part of your life, you can't not want to do something about it because it's joyful and it's joy-giving. Jesus says God's kingdom is like finding a treasure in a field. It's so exciting and so unexpected that once you encounter it, you want to set aside everything else and be part of what God is doing. Kingdom of the world that's not like our kingdoms, a kingdom that's built on love and forgiveness and grace and who wouldn't wanna be part of that kind of kingdom? Sign me up. At one point, the Pharisees asked Jesus, okay, when is this kingdom gonna get here? You're telling us all these things, when will it arrive? And I think they're looking for a black and white line in the sand, like this is the mark that it's fully here and accomplished. And Jesus said, well, God's kingdom is not coming with the kind of signs that most people are going to recognize. People won't be able to say, look, that is it. Or look, there it is. Because God's kingdom is already among us. God's kingdom is already at work. And then in another portion of scripture, he says, it's kind of like when you see a fig tree's leaves start to unfurl and you know that summer's around the corner. It's not like you can point to one moment in the unfurling of the leaves and say, yep, this is the moment. The whole thing is the moment. The whole process, the whole season is the moment. And it's kind of a gut instinct of feeling summer's coming. Or for us now in March, maybe we say spring is coming. We see the signs. Jesus continually is telling stories like this to paint a picture of what God's kingdom is going to be like. What it can be like. And God's kingdom... It's like a banquet where the people who are invited are random people off the street. And God's kingdom is like someone who plants seeds, not really knowing how it works. They're off taking a nap and suddenly God is on the move making things happen. God's kingdom is like a vineyard where the people who show up last to work get the same reward as the people who were there all day. That's kind of the upside-down logic of God's kingdom. That's God's vision for this world. It's a little bit different than the way we normally live. It's a little bit different than what we normally expect. And that's a beautiful thing. It's upside-down. It's amazing. It's compelling. What an awesome thing that we're invited to be part of. Jesus is constantly surprising us and his stories, they stick with us. Once we've read it, we remember the story of the prodigal son. Once we've heard the story of the lost sheep, it sticks in your mind. How many of you heard the story of the lost sheep in Sunday school or VBS or anything like that? Yes. Once you've heard that kind of story, it stays with you. You ruminate on it. You come back to it. It's an image that stays with you throughout your life. These are stories of faith that provide a foundation for us as we try to live a life of faith. And these stories continually reveal that God's kingdom is not what we might expect. It's clearly not of this world because it takes the expectations of this world and this society and it flips them on their heads. So the kingdom of God is maybe a little bit like blob tag for all the reasons I've already talked about. It starts small, it grows exponentially, it takes on a life of its own. The rules of the game are maybe not what you expect from a typical tag game, and yet it's still tag. I also think the kingdom of God is like an earworm. Do you know what an earworm is? It's those songs that get stuck in your head that you can't get out of your head. And uh, for example, if I sing, jingle bells, jingle bells, you sing, and you're now gonna have that stuck in your head for the next hour as you're going about your day. Unless you happen to have lived through the turn of the century, and if I say, who let the dogs out, you're going to have, exactly, obnoxious barking in your head for the next hour. Actually, for me, that one is tougher to get out of my head than Jingle Bells, so uh, you're welcome for that. Songs like that and many others are earworms because we can't get them out of our heads. They're catchy. And there have been scientists who have tried to quantify, what is it that makes songs so catchy? What is it that makes it so that certain songs will not leave our heads? And they've suggested it's based on factors like repetition mixed with the unexpected, and also rhythmic repetition, meaning many of these songs, we can recognize them from their rhythm alone. Jingle bells, if somebody were to play that on drums, you probably would catch what it was without the notes. It also matters how people feel about a song. And apparently somebody did a study that at any given time, 98% of the population has some kind of song stuck in their head. I don't know how you really quantify that kind of information, but it seems accurate to me based on the amount of times I have a song stuck in my head. I'm the parent of a three-year-old who loves to listen to music on repeat. And I wonder to myself, how can a song not get stuck in your head when you've listened to it over and over and over and over. One of her favorites right now is Let It Go from Frozen. And another one of her favorites is Can You Feel the Love Tonight from The Lion King? But she has many favorites. And perhaps you have a different song stuck in your head now if you managed to forget about the Baja Men. Maybe you're thinking about Let It Go. Kids songs are extremely catchy. I'm sometimes at work walking down the hallway and I find myself humming something and I realize It's the theme song to Doc McStuffins, which is a children's children's show. And other times, my husband Joel and I will realize we're both kind of singing a song under our breath, and it's the same Disney song, even though our daughter is not in the room and not paying attention to us in any way. So these kinds of things happen. You probably have your own moments of getting a song stuck in your head. And when I have a song stuck in my head, one of the most satisfying things to do is to share the song and get it stuck in somebody else's head. I do not think I'm alone in this based on your laughter and also based on the number of internet memes that link to songs from Encanto or link to Rick Astley videos. There are all kinds of ways we love to share these catchy songs that get stuck in our head. And it's like we want to tag people and say, I have this song stuck in my head and tag, now you're a part of it too. You're going to have this song stuck in your head too. The kingdom of God is like earworms because honestly, the kingdom of God is catchy. If we're telling the story right, it's the kind of thing that you want stuck in your head. These stories get stuck in our head and we ruminate on them because there is a lot to keep us coming back. The prodigal son, the woman at the well, the good Samaritan, the mustard seed, these are images that we keep returning to because they're so rich and so full of the rhythms of life and yet also full of the unexpected and the surprising. Not everything is what it first appears. And Jesus leaves us with like an unexpected riff on the story that speaks to our souls in a really powerful and enduring way. Now the earworm analogy is not perfect, I have to admit. Sometimes we get songs stuck in our head and they are just not great songs. They're annoying songs. Uh, So we have to take the analogy with a grain of salt. But the songs only get stuck in our head in the first place because they are catchy. There's something in them that makes our minds want to run them over and over and over again. And you know what? Setting that aside for a moment, scripture tells us heaven is going to be full of constant singing. Who knows what that song is going to be? But we'll be out there belting it out. Jesus told a lot of stories about what the kingdom of God will be like. It's like yeast that gets into everything and changes it from the inside out. And it's like a mustard seed that starts tiny and magnifies exponentially. I've suggested God's kingdom is like blob tag or earworms. And then we're left saying, all right, what do we do with that information? I think one thing we can do is take ourselves a little bit less seriously. Jesus tells us to be like little children and he continually tells us these stories. And does this mean that we literally have to play tag and sing songs? I mean, you can. But we don't have to necessarily i do think however sometimes when we've walked with jesus for a really long time and we've been faithful for a really long time we can sometimes begin to take ourselves a little too seriously and we can miss the larger picture of what jesus is trying to say to us i think in specific of those disciples on the road to emmaus after jesus death and resurrection who were so focused on detailing the accounts of what happened that they neglected the larger picture that they were walking alongside Jesus Christ. They could not see the forest for the trees. I think that happens to us sometimes as people of faith. We're taking it so seriously that we forget to have joy and see what God is doing right next to us. We've all met people who have lost some of the joy of their faith. We perhaps all have been through seasons where we've lost a little bit of that initial joy. The kingdom of God invites us to re-encounter our faith, to rediscover that joy, to remember what it was that drew us to Jesus in the first place, to remember that mustard seed of faith and joy that can continue to grow in our lives in unexpected ways. We're invited to re-examine the rhythms that we have in our lives and to inject a little bit of the unexpected joy and challenge of God's kingdom. So this morning, I want you to think about what it is that is your spiritual earworm. What is the Bible story you keep returning to over and over again? What's that scripture passage that you just can't let go of? What is that activity at church that draws you closer to Jesus? Or that would draw you closer to Jesus if you could get it on your calendar? What's that earworm, that Holy Spirit nudge that you keep returning to? And once you've found your earworm, share it with somebody. Tell somebody about it. The kingdom is invitational. And so invite somebody to join you for Easter worship in two weeks. Invite somebody to join you for Palm Sunday or for pub theology or for youth group. Invite somebody to join you for the Easter bash. That is a really non-scary invitation. That's a party here at church where you get to hunt for Easter eggs and eat food. That is a good time. Tell somebody about it. Tell somebody what's happened in your life because of your faith. Tell somebody what it means to you to walk with Jesus. Tell somebody about the yeast that has transformed you from the inside out and changed your faith for the better. That mustard seed moment that has grown in ways you never could have expected. It starts small, like a mustard seed. But God can work with a mustard seed. God can do amazing things with even such a small start as this. And what if sharing our faith really was as simple as blob tag or earworms? Maybe it is that simple. Maybe it's just as simple as saying, Tag, you're part of it too. Let's try it this week. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at Clarkston,